for your mercy tonight. Thank you for the grace which you've given for us to sing praises to your name. We exalt you. We thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. Jesus, we exalt your name. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Be thou exalted. Father, as we go into the, the word, Lord, we ask, Father, that you show us mercy tonight. We pray that you will bless our heart with your word, that you will speak to us, Father. I ask, Father, that you anoint my lips. You bless my tongue. Make my tongue the tongue of a ready writer. I yield myself to you, Lord, as a vessel. I ask, Father, that you anoint your word tonight and give direction, help, Father, for us, that we might come to life again, that we might receive life abundantly. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise. Thank you, for in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Let's have our seat. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, you're welcome. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome into the presence of the Lord. We thank God for, for mercy. We thank God for the, the blessing. We thank God for the grace to worship. It's, uh, it's been awesome. It's an awesome worship. We thank God. We thank God. We thank God for his spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. The Lord is good. All the time. The Lord is good. I give you all the praise. Amen. Amen. So we're uh, welcome again uh, into Life Feast. Um, uh, we thank God that we are here again. Good to see everyone. Uh, good to see you, Joy. Kevo, ID, and uh, 
my lovely wife, and Ara. Just that your, your friend is sleeping. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, I'm just uh, trusting God this evening. And uh, this evening, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. I say, Lord, I will do what, what is it? And, you know, nothing so far. I guess we're just going to flow in the spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, I guess I guess I can start. Are we excited tonight? Okay, all right. Um, there's been parts which the Lord has been leading us. I, I guess we can continue from there. Um, but uh, before we go, I'd just like to ask if you know if there's been any questions from previous meetings. Uh, last Tuesday, I think we had a recap of the previous Tuesday, I think. Right? Um, I love the, you know, the, the recaps were beautiful, I think. Sister Sinami and my wife uh, talked a bit about the recap and uh, it was awesome. The Lord uh, had mercy on us and I think we looked a bit into the, uh, the importance of, of inheritance, I think. Why, why we should give our heart and we should go for the inheritance that the Lord uh, has promised. Amen. Because the inheritance is a, is a promise. Amen. Amen Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, before we go ahead today, any question? Do you have any question from previous meetings? If anything is not clear, anything we need to maybe address? Amen. Amen. So I guess it's clear. Eh? Amen. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> Amen. All right. So I guess we we can start from. Romans, not Romans, uh, we can start from uh, Acts 26, right? Okay. We're going to read Acts 26 on Saturday before things change. Amen. Amen. Um, and it's clear that the Lord has feast for us. Amen. I don't know how much of that would... Uh, We'll be able to receive before convention. Uh, we know is from convention is back to back. Once, once uh, believers' convention Nigeria starts, yeah. next thing, the following week prayer will start for Canada Beacon. Right. So meeting. I mean, believers' convention will start end on Saturday. In Wednesday. Thursday thereabout. Thursday thereabout, we have uh, prayer meeting starting. So I guess we'll meet on t Tuesday. And prayer meeting starts. And once prayer meeting starts, you know, we also have to join in with the prayers. Um, normally, right, we usually just tune into Ottawa. But uh, I, would, I would confirm the 
details uh, and then let us know right but once that then prayer starts then UKB con and then after UKB con prayer continues then prayer ends the week a week before I think they're about they're about usually ends a week before me uh, convention right uh, and then after that prayer so after our convention then teaching series just about a week after convention so that gives us the third the third week of September before we can resume meetings proper so that's a long time it's a long time of activity but we'll see how how it's going to be but but technically there's no time we don't have time that's just the truth we don't have much time amen, amen. but the lord has been faithful uh so september comes and then we resume meetings again okay and from there we'll see we'll see amen praise the lord hallelujah amen. amen so i just want to trust the lord for what he has been saying to us concerning his word concerning our eyes right being enlightened and the lord began to talk to us concerning um i think we are trying to explain to us that we need sight you know took us throughout to explain to us that it's important that we understand the miracle lifestyle but not just the miracle we should focus on what Jesus came for right, which is to teach about the kingdom so really the the message of Jesus is about the kingdom right not about the miracles i know a lot of christians like like the miracle aspect right even us even me when i was uh, much younger i like miracles Amen. Because miracles are, are quite awesome. Awesome to see. Awesome to. Awesome. Most of the time you pray so you can perform one. And if you can perform just one miracle like this, ah, you have arrived. Amen. Amen. But the Lord has shown us mercy to know that there is more to God than just the things that He's doing with His, with his hands. That there are much more glorious things in, in, in God than the things that come from his hand. And that the things that come from his hand, they are not glorious at all. They are not things of glory. They are not, they are not things that are weighty. Uh, but the Lord God is, is heavy, is weighty. You know, God is weighty. God is much more than our natural thing. God is much more than... Uh, the ephemeral things in the natural, right? God is much more, much more, uh, much more bigger. God is bigger. Our God is bigger than that. It is, it is actually an insult to reduce God to things. It's actually an insult to reduce God to God of things. God is much more than the God of things. Thing, things uh, that we call things are 
and they are they don't exist where he yeah. is. You don't see them. They don't they don't show where he is because where he is, what you see there are things of glory. Yes. There are things that matter. There are things of life eternal. There are things of uh, how do I put it? There are things I don't know. Words can't explain. Right? It's difficult to put to words. Aha, you know, where God himself is from. He has to actually step down from his life to create. Right? No matter how beautiful everything you know, you see, sometimes you go, uh, maybe if you, if, you, if you happens to watch, if you happen to watch some of those cameras, right, that uh, from International Space Station that looks down on Earth from time to time, you know, they have a live feed that's always looking at Earth. You, I look down, you see, ah, it's a very beautiful place. But as beautiful as it is, God is much more than that. In short, the earth is actually, if you look at it, it is beautiful, but just look at the galaxy. You know that, no, there's actually much more beautiful things than just the earth. Yeah. The galaxy in itself is beautiful. Yes. Imagine the Lord designing the, the Milky Way. Yes. You know, how it makes sure that it, it looked milky. When you take a picture of the Milky Way, there's a, there's a stunning look. There's a, it's, just, it's just beautiful when you look at it. But God is much more than that. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we think with our small mind. Men, 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 men think, it's, it's pride. How can you think, you know, in this small mind that you have answers to all, everything? It's pride. Why? You don't even know, we don't even have an answer to how, how we were made. You don't have an answer to where we are from. Till today, they can give all kinds of speculations. Scientists don't know where we are from. So theories. The only thing that tells us clearly where we are from. It's scripture. Yeah. But they'll tell you we have to prove it before you know. No, Allah, go ahead, keep proving. By the time eternity comes, you, you prove something. Amen. So men, they try to prove God, they try to, to arrange God and put God in a, is it in a small box? But God is much more than that. God is bigger than that. God is much more outstanding than that. God is, imagine who God is. God is eternal. God is eternal. Imagine the, the, the description of who he is. They said he clothed himself with light. Imagine that kind of description. Imagine just wearing, wearing a light garment. Right? Praise the Lord. His garment is light. And the Father's spirit if his garment is light and if I, what, what kind of a person is that? And then they now also tell us that he's the father of light. Mm. So if father light, he wear light as a garment. He himself is light. Can you imagine? What a glorious being. But the earth is too, men are too, is it, is it, well, I say they are too foolish in their thinking to think that you can reduce God to, to bread. That's, 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 that's pretty much what men are reducing God to. Those, those, that, there are those that don't care about him. And those that care about him reduce him to bread. And then God, Jesus is telling the view, his, his life, they don't say God, they are talking about life. Is life not more than meat? So if the father of life that gives life is... They are saying that life itself is more than meat. 
Then the father will be much, much more greater than me. So men should, men should stop insulting God. And Christians should become serious about this person that we are serving. It is clear most Christians don't know who they serve. That's just the, that's just the truth of the matter. Right? Like I was saying, it's good to have clarity about things concerning scripture, concerning faith, concerning uh, what we are doing. Right? Uh, part of the part of the the shortcomings that Christians have today, right, is is the fact that they don't know who they serve. They don't. That aspect of knowing God. Many Christians today don't know who they serve. They don't have a, they don't have a clue. Now, what Christians have are foggy and hazy image of who God is. That's just it. If you ask many believers today, if you ask them, just a simple question. Well, maybe it's not a simple question. <laughs> you ask them, do you know what it is? What, what, what's the doctrine of baptism? What's the doctrine of laying of hands? You, if you, you, there, won't, there won't be a clear artic, articulate answer. There won't be a clear articulate answer as to what those things are. But those are things that believers should know. The truth of the matter is that Christians focus on other things. They don't, if, if you just check it in the life of Christians, what they do is they just go about their life. They live about their day. The, the, the summary is that they do what they want, but put God in there. Most of the time, what Christians do is really what they want to do. Right? They hardly, hardly, hardly do they put, have God view. How do they, hardly do they consider is this my life? Is it my own? Right? You know, you know, you know we, we seem to think that you know, we just own our life. We can do what we want. It's foolishness. So. Because we don't, we don't fear he that can kill the soul and also kill the spirit. Kill it in hell. Right? We don't fear him, but we should fear him. We should know him. Right? Not, not to put fear in, in, uh, in our heart concerning God. Or, you know, we should be afraid of God. No, we should fear him. We should have fear for him. We should have reverence for him. That fear is pretty much love, to love him. Amen. That tells us there's an, there are all kinds of aspects of love that we do. If, if we are saying the fear of the Lord, right? Is the love of God still? Is, is in a way. Is it? Will I use the word foolishness? Because how can you say fear is love, right? You can't fear whom you don't. To fear. What I'm saying there's there's a way to love, which is actually to fear, right? Fear is a is a way of love, in a way. That starts to tell us that we don't know love as much as we think we do. Love is a, love is a, is a, is an exclusive, what I say, love is, is a vast knowledge, is a vast knowing, right, because there's love in Christ, which is totally different from the love of God, but they're all love, right, because charity is not the same as the love of God, it's not the same, right, but they're all love, they're both love, but. There's, but there's another one called love that is God. Say God is love. Mm. 
right? So God is, God is, is a huge being. Is, is a mysterious being. Uh, is a mysterious being that men should tremble once they once once they come near him. Men should just tremble, and 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 uh, reverence him. God is awesome. Amen. Amen. So we should we should love God. We should fear God, and uh, God would help us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so let's read, uh, uh, let's start from Act 26 and then we'll go from there. Uh, let me just start. So we should read Acts, right? Okay. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so we read Acts 26 from verse 16. Say, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. So delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to, to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Amen. Uh, can we open to the book of Isaiah? Isaiah 25. Um, personally, for that uh, Acts 26, I'm not sure if we've exhausted, maybe we have, but the Lord will help us. Because I know what was in my heart before Saturday was to talk a bit about sin, right? I'm trying, I'm trying to explain what sin is. That's what I've been trying to explain. But uh, I've not been able to do so. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's read from verse 1. It says, Lord, thou art my God. Okay, it says, O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsel of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made of a city an heap, of a defensed city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no city, it shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people 
glorify thee. The city of the terrible nation shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. When the blast of the terrible one is as a storm against the wall, thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low, and in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of far things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nation. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dung hill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them, as he that swimmeth spreadeth forth his hands to swim. And he shall bring forth down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And the fortress of the high fort of thy walls shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, even to the dust. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'll read again from verse 5. I'm sorry that we are, we are reading. Father, I pray this evening that you would help us in your word. You will guide us by your spirit. You will lead us into fountains, Amen. into fountains of life, fountains Amen. of streams, Amen. fountains springing forth, springing forth into life, springing forth into life. Father, we pray tonight, Lord, that we would receive the spirit of your word Amen. for life. We want to be quickened. It's your spirit that giveth life. Let spirit be given tonight. Anoint your word. Give Amen. sight, Father. Give 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 sight. Give sight. Give sight. Give insight into your word. Give, give help. Help to our soul. 
help to us tonight. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Uh, I'm seeing a pathway, but it's not yet clear. But I guess it's getting clearer. Amen. So, let's read again Isaiah chapter 25. Say, O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. For thou art done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Thy counsel of counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made of a city and heap. You have made of a city and heap. Of a defensed city, a ruin. Of a defensed city, a ruin. Of a defensed city, a ruin. A palace of strangers to be no city. It shall never be built. A palace of strangers to be no city. It shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee. The city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. The city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor. A strength to the needy in his district. For thou hast been a strength to the poor. A strength to the needy in his distress. Amen. Amen. Thou hast been a strength to the poor. A strength to the needy in his distress. Right? A strength to the needy in his distress. A refuge from the storm. Are, so that's what the Lord has been. A refuge from the storm. A shadow from the heat. The Lord has been a shadow from the heat. To shade. Hmm. When the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm. Against the wall. Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers. As the heat shall bring down the void, the noise, the noise of strangers. As the heat in a dry place. Even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. Even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto 
all people. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast. And in this mountain. And in this mountain. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain, in this same mountain, the face of the covering cast over all people. And the veil that is spread over all nations. And it will swallow up death. In victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from of the from of all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from of all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Amen. Amen. So this is Isaiah 25 that we're reading. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, hmm. okay. Praise the Lord. So please bear with me. Uh, it's already about 9.30. So. Is it 8.30, have you? Okay. So it's 8.49. Okay. So bear with me. We're just about to start. So. <laughs> We have not started. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So bear with me, please. Amen. Amen. I'm trusting that the Lord will bless us greatly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I guess I'll just go as the Lord leads. I guess what is it, what's in my heart is <laughs> I'm careful. Maybe 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 that's the issue. Maybe I'm too careful. Sometimes I just feel maybe I should not jump. So sometimes maybe I just I cringe a bit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um okay. Uh, you know what? Let me read 25. So, amen. amen. All right. So, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name. O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things, thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth for thou hast made of a city an heap 
Amen. That was made of a city. Right? And heap. So that's 25 too. Of a defensed city, a ruin. Okay. Uh, made of a city and heap. So this, for thou as made of a of a city and heap. Um, Praise the Lord. You know, one of the one of one of the hardest books to understand are the prophets. If you don't have if without without the understanding of the New Testament, it's difficult to interpret the prophets. There are there are codes in there. You know, most of the time we just take them and say, Oh, this is my enemy, the Lord has you know, and then we, then we go away. And you know, the Lord has been <laughs> the Lord has been faithful. When you are reading Psalms, you are reading Isaiah, and you know you are seeing where they say that the Lord shall punish. You know those area we are, especially when we are praying, we used to put fire there. Whenever you hear, "Oh Lord, and the Lord will destroy all my enemies," yeah. mm. def- ah, the Lord will destroy every city against me. You know it's all right. All right, sorry, I just just thought I should make us laughing before we are not laughing. So. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, all right. It's like everybody is very serious with the word that I just hear this one. So nobody is laughing. Okay, all right. Amen. You people you, you will help me so I know how to crack better jokes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, so that was, you see, but that was made of a city and heap, right? So they are talking about, that, although what I want us to see here, I think what is standing out in my heart is, it says, and in this mountain, right, shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast, right, of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things, full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined, right? Amen. So we're going to, and again, we're going to preach together today. Amen. Amen. Sorry, welcome, Brother Femi. And uh, what about your lovely wife? Okay, okay, no problem. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, All right. Uh, So, It says, in this mountain, right? So clearly, there is a mountain here that the Lord has decided to prepare a feast, right? And they began to tell us the different kinds of things that the Lord uh, is going to do upon that mountain. Amen. And... uh, 
I think I'm going to talk a little bit about this mountain and concerning the things around it. Amen. And I'll try as much as possible to, to make it as, you know, easy as possible to understand, even though me, myself, I don't. Honestly, I'm just flowing with the Spirit as it's coming. Amen. So let me start from verse 2. So for thou hast made of a city and heap. Now, it's clear what brought forth this statement is from verse 1, right? Because uh, uh, verse 2 is explaining verse 1, right? That says, O Lord, thou art my God. So, O Lord, thou art my God, right? So this is the Lord God. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. You see? I will exalt. Why? For thou hast made a city and heap. Of a defensed city, a ruin. A palace of strangers. Right? To be no city, it shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee. The city of the terrible nation shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, they're telling us what the Lord has done, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Say, so thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And in this mountain, you see, uh, they were telling us what the Lord is doing to a city. Right? And then they began to tell us about the, the fear that the city will have for the Lord. Amen? Then they be, in verse 6, they began to talk about a mountain. Right? It says, and in this mountain, they are very particular about the mountain. Why? Because there can be all kinds of mountains. Amen. Amen. But a mountain that they are talking about here is a specific mountain. How many of us that the Lord, the Lord, our, our God, does not have too many mountains? There's a mountain that he has. By now all of us would have known. Right? I don't know why today we are talking about this mountain, but glory to Jesus. Now this mountain, uh, sometimes when, they, when, the Lord, they, when they begin to refer to the mountain, there's a, there's a particular one that they are talking about. It's called Zion. The mountain of Zion. Right? You have come to the Mount Zion, the city 
City of the Great uh, You know what? It's so funny. We might actually read that passage. Because in a way, it would explain this. So we're talking about what? Zion. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So I'm, it's like I'm seeing the parts more small. Before, I, I wanted to start from the city, but it's like the city, I'm not seeing ways around it, but I'm talking about the mountain. It's getting a little bit better. Amen. Yeah. Uh, for some of us that don't know the mountain, so please, let's just, I know most of us know mountains here, but it's okay. We can talk about mountains again. Amen. So, so and in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast. Shall make unto all people a feast. Um, okay, let me not jump. Let me just follow. So, in this mountain, which is the mountain of the Lord. Ah, okay. All right. So, this mountain, which is the mountain of the Lord, right, is where they design feasts, right? So, this mountain is where the Lord has designed feasts for to deal with something, right? Meaning that the Lord could have done that anywhere else, but he didn't. Particularly, he decided to do this on a mountain. And there's a reason for that. Amen. I don't know. I don't know why I feel like I will forget. But I'm seeing, I feel, well, who lead us, amen? I don't want to forget. So please help me. If I, in case I forget, just help me. To this point I mentioned, right? So the Lord has decided to deal with something upon a mountain. So the mountain of the Lord is a mountain that is, exalted. So the Lord raised the mountain, right? The Lord set this mountain. In short, the mountain of the Lord is, is, is actually a realm in the spirit. Amen? So the mountain of the Lord, uh, you, can, you, you can see it in the spirit, right? But you can also, uh, well, they're all in the spirit, you can see it in the spirit in the present heaven. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So presently, in the present heaven, that mountain, you can see it there. So this mountain that they are talking about is not an earthly mountain. It's a spiritual mountain. Amen. And it says, in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast. Meaning that there's a feast that is upon the mountain. But have you ever thought of it that they said in this mountain, did the Lord make a feast? Then how, did you, how, did, how do you get to the peak of the mountain? Because if they say that, and in this mountain the Lord will make a feast, it means that there's a company upon that mountain, right? And then, uh, according to scriptures, it is clear that the company upon this mountain have to come to the mountain. Right? There is a coming that has to take place for these souls to arrive at the mountain. Amen. And they were already giving us how souls is going to arrive at the mountain. Give us a clue there. 
is because the Lord will be destroying cities. Although we are not seeing the link yet, right? Because might be like, okay, I will destroy. Because when they're talking about destroying cities, is it is thank God that the Lord has you know, shown us a little bit about the Jews. You know what, what we're talking about, what a true Jew is, and who a true gen a Gentile is, right? And then the Lord began to show us you know, from different angles, right? Uh, what separates a Jew from a Gentile? Uh, one of the one of the key thing about a, a Jew is that is a worshiper, and a worshiper worship God, right? A Gentile is also a worshiper, but they worship other gods. They worship plenty gods, right? And the Lord began to explain to us something concerning the lands, right? That the Gentiles, although they say the Aden, right? They have taken. Right, it was land first, but cities were built. So when Moses, sorry, when Abraham, right, was sojourning, gave it to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, and Esau, right, Jacob and Esau, then from Jacob to Israel, right, then Israel or Jacob and Israel. They migrated to Egypt, right? They were in the promised land. The, the funny thing is that they were already in the promised land. Canaan, Canaan, is it not? Right, Canaan is in, Canaan land is in, uh, uh, so it's not Canaan, it's sorry, what was in Egypt? It's Goshen, uh-huh. it's Goshen I wanted to say. So. There's Goshen in Egypt, which is the new Canaan, right? Which became captivity. Amen. So, the, the, the uh, let me say, Abraham was already in the land. Then his descendants somehow found way into Egypt. Then they were enjoying Egypt, they were dwelling in Egypt, right? Egypt, which is the land of gods. That's where gods dwell. That's where gods, they enjoy their life, right? If you go to Egypt today and you begin to see all kind of writing, you see all, all kind of God that they have. They have plenty, 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 plenty gods. Amen. So Egypt is a land of, it's almost like in Egypt you can find all the gods of other lands in there. Because Egypt is like the, the capital of captivity. Amen. Which all believers are in before they give their life to Jesus. Every, every, every soul that is not born again is in Egypt. Right? Every soul that is not born again is in Egypt. And the thing about Egypt is that you can be in Egypt and be enjoying Goshen, but you are in captivity. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know this kind of message is slow and everybody will be sleepy. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think somebody was looking for a pen. Are you looking for a pen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we sleepy yet? Because I know this kind of this kind of this kind of slow talking, and then we only have like a few hours left. Amen. 
So you know you feel like one, maximum one hour. Amen. <laughs> we have we have we have we have not even started finish the introduction. <laughs> the message have not even started. We are just try, we are just trying to to see a few things. Amen. So so Egypt is the land of gods, right? So the Lord was letting us know that, you know, like, like I was saying, every believer before they get born again were in Egypt. That's the land. And we know that Egypt is the land of captivity. Right? It's land of captivity. And, you know, that uh, lawful captivity movie that we were, that we, I don't know if we've seen it. That's, that's described mainly what souls that are in Egypt does, what they do. Right? That's mainly what they do there. But before, it's so funny that you can be now born again and still be doing those things that were done in Egypt. Yeah. Just we've seen Israel. They left Egypt, but Egypt didn't leave them. Right? So they physically took them out of Egypt. But when you open them up in their soul, you can find Egypt there. First, that what you see is that when they got into the wilderness, they were crying for the food of Egypt. Have you come to kill us? At least in Egypt, we have cucumber. <laughs> they like cucumber, man. I don't know what that cucumber is. You know, cucumber was a powerful cucumber. <laughs> I mean, it's cucumber now. Ah, but it's so powerful that in the wilderness, they were crying for cucumber. Oh, we want cucumber. We want cucumber and, and what else? Quail. Later they asked for quail. They were asking for meat, things that they used to eat in Egypt. Just like they say that you can you can take a, a man out of it's a village, but you cannot take the village out of the man. <laughs> Just like they talk about city mouse and uh, country mouse. <laughs> we all know this. There was a country uh, and a city mouse, and they were very good friends. <laughs> when they took this, the country mouse to the city, <laughs> na race, it take go back to the village. Right? Because everything in the city was strange. He preferred his life in the, the country. Right, so you can take you can you can take souls out of Egypt, but it's another thing to take Egypt out of souls, right? And the funny thing about that is that when they were in the wilderness, they didn't think too much that did that Egypt desire. There's something wrong with it, or maybe when we read it now, maybe we'll think, ah, why are you going like sincerely in their mind? They had nothing wrong. What is wrong? In eating cucumber, Abi, we'll be walking in the wilderness. Ah, uh-uh. everything manna, 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 manna. Is it only manna? Can you please, can you please give me a little bit of cucumber? I just need a little bit of cucumber and just slice it. You know, you know just slice it a little bit. You just cut, cut, cut pieces and give me a piece. Let me eat it like a biscuit, right? They, they naturally didn't think there's anything wrong with taking cucumber. Amen. The cucumber was something nice, something to desire, right? 
And that's what most Christians today don't know. They will say, why should I not take cucumber? I mean, what's wrong with hustling? Just like we've seen. You can hustle now, just hustle. There's not, what's wrong? I won't make her. But I, that part that lady was so interesting. Say, you see, I said, I said, see, success finding those who are busy looking for it or something like that. When I had, when I had that motivation last week, I was like, ah, ah. I said, man, this, uh, this thing are gone, though, honestly. Imagine somebody carrying such a, a, a motivation now. That thing is deadly, man. Since so sex comes with those busy looking for it. Chai! Meaning that they can so, sell all their life chasing and looking for success. And it will be legit. I mean, doesn't this sound nice? I, I know some of us who will like preaching that sounds like that. Clean, you know, success looks for those that are busy looking for it. The Lord bless you, brother. You know, we like, I know Christian, like, you know, sometimes I feel like I can talk like that, clean and, and straight, and you know, open your Bible to the book of John, John 3 16. And he said, For God to love the world, you know, that he gave his only begotten son. But it doesn't come like that. Sometimes we have to live and try figuring out what the Lord has to say. <laughs> what the Lord has to say. Amen. But uh, let's go further because of time. So, uh, you can take souls out of Egypt, but you may not take Egypt out of souls. Right? So, when they left the, when they left Egypt, they were complaining and they wanted to just go back to Egypt. So, it's possible for a Gentile and a Jew to be the same in their mind. With the only difference being that they were chosen as a people of God. Just like Israel is chosen, right? But their manner and their way is not different from Egypt. Right? The way they think, the way they've been seeing life, the way they've been doing things is the same like an Egyptian would think. So if they take a a, a, a Jew that is in the wilderness that has not yet entered the promised land and then they take a or they take an Egyptian and they say start, sit here you live your life. Both of them are going to live the exact same way. The only difference is that they now have freedom for us, for the Jew. Why? Because they were in captivity. So as a lawful captive you can be you can be living captivity, living the same life, but as a free soul, you can also be living the same life, with the difference being you're no longer in chains. So before, the hands were in chains to live a, a specific kind of life, which is the, the life that Egypt stands for. But now, they remove the chain, so you are free. But because the soul doesn't know any other way, doesn't know any other law, doesn't do anything else. It will naturally just live the way it's been living in Egypt. I, uh, was it, I think it was Superbook that we were watching and I think they were talking about ah, I can't remember exactly but I think it was concerning the law of the Lord that the Lord was commanding them because Moses went to the mountain, came back and they were just before, the, you know, before he arrived and then on their way I think one of the little kids was now talking with one of the Superbook uh, character saying that, you know, for they've lived all their life in Egypt. That is difficult 
to just start living in a new way. So when, when I made that statement, it made sense. Ah, it's true. It's almost like the people that wrote that story, they, in a way they kind of looked from the Egyptian point of view. So the Israelite point of view that has been in Egypt. Say that they've lived all their life there, they didn't know any other way. So it made sense, why? Well, because they didn't, they didn't know. So if you have a born-again believer, a child of God, whose spirit has been recreated, whose spirit is Christ, yeah. whose, whose spirit is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's possible for that believer to still live exactly like a Gentile would live. With the difference, sorry, with the common, well, the difference being that one is born again, but the common factor is the fact that they have the same way, the same mind, the same way, the same mind. They think exact same. They don't have a different mode of thinking. They don't have a different process by which they think. They can't think any differently than that. Most of the time we think maybe we are super superhuman beings because we are able to think in a certain way. No, it's God's mercy. Yes, if somebody today says no, I won't be like the world. Just know you have obtained mercy. Simple. Why? Because it's not easy for a soul to just say no. I'm not going to live the way the Gentiles live. No. And the truth of the matter is that a newborn believer does not even have the strength to say that. Why? Number one, he does not know how Gentiles live. Why? Because he's living the same way a Gentile would live. It, it's until the mercy of God comes, right? So a newborn believer now starts learning, starts growing. Then he can begin to figure out where to. It's like there's a specific way a Gentile is living. Most newborn, you know, except maybe you know, they got born again and one spiritual, you know, they have a serious encounter. Most newborn again don't, don't think there's anything different in many things that they would do in their lives, right, compared to what uh, Gentiles would do. The only difference is the fact that they know that, no, I'm a different person. Something has changed inside of me, right? No, I've, maybe this one is very clean. For, like, I mean, a typical example, if you get people born again on the street, and it was not by Holy Ghost descending on them. You know all those ones that Holy Ghost land on? Bah, like, oh, I gave away. You know, those ones, eh? Maybe in a way, in a way they, may have a, they may have an encounter. The Lord might do something to their mind, right? Because, in short, the reason for the infilling of the Holy Ghost is to address partly how the mind think. If you, get a, if you get a soul born again today and you didn't give that soul the Holy Ghost, I can bet with you 100% it can't think any differently than an unbeliever. Can't. It won't. It doesn't have the capability to do so. Holy Ghost is the first surgical operation to deal with the way a Gentile will think. First, you get born again, they give you a different language. Right? Do you know that Kausafel Makarna time, right? That that language is a sign of a new citizenship. Right? Because what did they what, what do they call language? Right? There's something about 
what, there's something particular about language. Language mostly is tied to culture. Am I wrong? I know smart people, I know Brafemi will, will know this kind of area. Yeah? And Kevin will know this one too. How, when you talk about tongue, tongue, in a way, is, is in, as an information of your citizenship. And what do I mean by that? Or it's an information of where you are from. Right? So when you have a tongue, for example, now for Yoruba people being in, for example, you know, for those that come from, from Nigeria, even if you are from Europe, your tongue is different from if you are from North America. And if you are from South America, even within North America, you still have many different kind of tongues. Right? Different kind of tongues. For example, if you go to Texas now, there's a way they talk. It's not the same as if you go to Chicago. And even some, some here in the countryside, there's a, there are some different accents that you'll be like, is this Canadian? Some even in Toronto, that when you hear it, you think it's actually even almost British. But it's Canadian. But the moment you speak it, there's a way they can tell, oh, this person is from here. If, you, if it's almost, for example, if you are talking and maybe you are outside, you see a black person, of course you know that they are not necessarily Nigerians, if you are from Nigeria. But of course, you know, many people assume, well, but no, you see a black person, you don't know. Sometimes you wait, let them talk. Once they talk, you can have an idea. Ah, that is East Africa. That's West Africa. Okay, where in West Africa? That's some Ghanaian. Or, as, as common, everybody knows Nigeria. I don't know why. I don't know why everybody knows. Once you speak like this, they know you are Nigerian. So, <laughs> I don't know why that works. I mean, of course, Ghanaian too is obvious because of their accent. Oh, it's Ghanaian. Or maybe, maybe it may not be obvious to the Europeans and you know, all the rest, but for, at least for us, Africans, the moment you hear, they are, you know another as a Ghanaian. If the person is not Ghanaian, or let's say by birth, they are Nigerian, but maybe their tongue is now Ghanaian. They probably have lived there. Even though they are by birth Nigerian, technically they are Ghanaians because their tongue is Ghanaian tongue. You know that? So what I'm trying to say is that the moment you speak like this, it kind of gives insight into the country where the soul is from, right? But not just that, it now gives insight into the culture. Right? Who, who was I? We were talking about with that we were talking about okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So we're talking about a new thing that is happening about, you know, the I don't know why the Yoruba culture and language is too is too strong. It's too strong. Now, this is not the fact that I'm just you no. Know, for me personally, I think it's a problem, right? Because why is it that, check it, wherever they take all the slaves, I was watching a new documentary on Netflix. They began to explain how the Yoruba culture survived every, in every country where it was taken to. Whereas where others, it will vanish, but the Yoruba one didn't go. 
And then, it's not that the Yoruba didn't just go. The culture didn't go. In short, the culture started influencing the areas. Then I'm like, ah, what's inside this thing? It's to tell you that culture is powerful. Yeah. Right? It's the way of life. Perhaps God will use it, but I think <laughs> Satan wants to use something with, with that thing. I don't know. Why? Because the wisdom that was happening is when they get to, for example, Brazil, you'll be so shocked about how much the Yoruba culture has influenced the Brazilian culture. Because when they were taken there, sorry for talking about this, when they were taken there, apparently they started, so because they were serving Obatala, all kinds of gods, you know, Yoruba and gods, there are plenty, just like Egypt who have other gods. So the Brazilians are Catholics, so they, they bring them. So instead of them integrating and you know, becoming Christians and Catholics, they began to go to church. They won't argue with them. But when they are praying, behind the cross, they'll put Obatala, Oshun, everything. So because the Catholics, they pray in a certain way, right? Oh, and they pray with saints. They're like, oh, yours is not different from mine. You pray to God through a saint. Then me too, I can pray to God through my Obatala and the rest. So, this, so for them not to be disciplined, they started associating their gods with some saints. So that's where you have a culture in Brazil. And I'm, I'm thinking some other area, like Cuba area, where I think they call it uh, Santa, Mar Santa Maria or something like that. Where it's, a, it's not actually Christianity, it's a, it's a mix of Christianity and Yoruba gods. Meaning that culture is strong, that it can survive different nations. Meaning that you can put, you can put life destiny inside culture. So what I'm saying is that the tongue, because when you, when you hear Yoruba like this, what you hear, where I'm going really is, once you hear Yoruba like this, the moment you hear it, what you're actually hearing is the culture. If you hear, if you see tick Yoruba, so speak, that's what you hear, culture. If you come here too, and you hear a Canadian speak, what you are hearing is the culture. If you go to Europe, the moment they start speaking, what you, are, what you can have insight to through their tongue is their culture. Amen. Now, I'm saying this because I want, I want to show us that when we begin to speak, when they give Holy Ghost, right? I mean, okay, let me know, let me run, not run before myself. So when I'm saying culture, right? And we, what's the, what is the definition of culture? Culture is the way of life of people. Meaning culture is the way so men live. Culture is the way of life. So it's how men live. So the Yoruba culture is the way of life of the Yorubas. So there's a way they live. There's a way they uh, you know, pattern their life. So here too, when you hear the Canadian accent, you can hear the, you, hear, you are hearing the culture. There's a way they live. Even their jokes is from their culture. Right? There's a, you know, you that are from Africa, there's, when you hear joke, that's what you call joke. Honestly, our joke is more alive. Than the jokes here. God forgive me. Sorry, you know, if any, if anybody's hearing me, you know, you know. But it's so funny that to them, the joke is so funny. 
So, but, so I saw a joke, you know. Can I, can I, so the joke is this. Can I tell you a construction joke? He said, yes. Then the person said, I'm working on it. <laughs> so that's, that's a construction joke. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on it. So when I saw that, I mean, now it's funny. But when I looked at it, it was, there was nothing funny about it. I'm like, because <laughs> I was actually, I was actually waiting for the joke. So, so can I tell you a joke, a construction joke? Yes, I'm working on it. That's the joke. I'm like, okay, great. But anyways, jokes aside, the, but that kind of a joke, right, is from the culture. Anybody that have the Canadian culture, once they hear it, they'll laugh. But because our own definition of joke is different, or oh, that you'll be like, wow, that joke is dry, man. Can you, is, that, is that even a joke? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So technically, technically, what I'm trying to say is that the tongue is is pretty much a way into the life. Is a way of is is a way into is to is to give information about the life. So what I'm saying is when we get born again and you know, we get Holy Ghost, it's almost like an announcement, right, of a new citizenship, right, which is now beginning to give insight into a different way of life. Yeah. That's, what I'm tra- that's what I'm getting at, right? It's giving us insight into a different way of life, which is to tell you that if a soul is born again, Please correct me if I'm wrong. Because they've seen now excesses and something. Because some people now they they carry cane. They say that you talk about talking in tongues. Okay, let me clarify. If you are not speaking in tongue, you are not any less a child of God. If you are speaking in tongue, you are not any less a child of God. But speaking in tongues is not a gift. Because as some would think that speaking in tongue is a gift. Most people think. So they, they think that diverse kind of tongue is actually speaking in tongue. It's not the same. Right? Thank God for at least this clarification, the aspect of I speak in tongue more than you, also praying in tongue. And praying in tongue and giving diverse kind of tongue, they are not the same. Right? <laughs> so people can pray in tongue because it's a language. Just like you have your language. Right? The language of your, of your citizenship. It's like somebody that, somebody that is born again that doesn't speak in tongue. It's like somebody that was a different citizen but came into a, a new citizen, a new, so for example, let's say you are from Nigeria and then you went to France and you're not a citizen of France and they don't speak English there. But by mercy, they said, you know what, you, don't, you can't speak our language, but you know what, we'll still give you citizenship, we'll take and as a result, you have to come and live in this land. Please, can you tell me, would they, would they function optimally in that community without learning the language? Most of the time, they will have to go and look for somebody. Please, can you help me translate? Somebody that can talk. Uh, or they try and use all kinds of expression. I want, I want bread. Bread. I want, I want bread. Je ne comprends pas. Mademoiselle, right. 
that one will be saying. Like I want, I went to, I was traveling. So there was a time I was traveling to Nigeria in 2010. I So in, I was going to Nigeria in 2010. Then I landed in Montreal because my route is from here to Montreal. Then from Montreal to France. When I landed in Montreal, I wanted to buy something to eat. So I said, "Good." The funny thing is that I said, "Good evening." The person responded in French. <laughs> so the woman decided to say, I said, English, please. <laughs> I had to quickly tell the person, because I well, at least I know I'm in Canada, so therefore there's no way you won't know English. You will know English and French. Maybe it's possible they don't, but I mean, you can't be selling in the airport without knowing English now. There will be a problem. So I said, English, please. Now imagine if the person doesn't know English, do you think I'll be able to buy there? I'm able to buy. Uh, even if I'm going to buy, it's going to be difficult. I'm going to be like, okay. Okay. Because I have to be using sign language to buy. And then the person will now try and figure. Meaning that the communication won't be effective. So in as much as we know that you can still pray, even though you are not praying in tongues, and God will hear your prayer, the truth of the matter is that there are actually some things you can't access. It's just the truth of the matter. Like examples have been given. There are just some things you can't access in the spirit simply because there is no capability to fetch them. Right? Because tongues enables, gives capability for certain things in the spirit. So why most people you know, don't want to feel bad, everybody wants, and, and that thing is common in this culture, especially in the, in the, you know, in the, you know what I'm saying, you know, you were on air, so I don't want to discriminate, you know. But the truth of the matter is that in this, in this, in this space, especially in the Canadian culture, what, it's like there's a, there's a, this, there's a, there's a wall of partition, some that believe, some that don't, right? And those that do, sometimes they are extra. And those that don't, they to their extra in don't, don't. <laughs> so, so all kinds of difficult middle ground to so solve the matter. But the truth of the matter is that we know there's nothing that removes you from being a child of God because you're not speaking in tongue. However, not speaking in tongue is going, not, because speaking in tongue is a sign of something. Right? It's a sign of an infilling. Because the infilling with the evidence of speaking in tongues, right, is a sign. And there's what infilling does. Unless, unless you want to say that infilling is useless. And the thing about infilling is that you can be filled and filled and filled. And there's what it does to the soul. Amen. Every time a soul is filled with the Holy Ghost, there is something that actually happens to this mind. Something changes in the thinking. Because the feeling tampers with ways, tampers with culture, right? Where it's going is the is the culture of the soul. That's where the that's where the when the infilling. Because what God wants to do is touch life of believers, right? Want to touch their life, change their life. So when believers are being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, what is happening to them is that. They are tampering with ways 
inside them. Manner of thinking. Which is needed, right? In order to get them totally out of Egypt. A soul that's in Egypt can't think any differently from Egypt. So, now, I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say, right? There is no way, shape or form, anybody has any capability to think any differently than the way they think, than the way an Egyptian thinks, if it does not have Christ, right? Because sometimes you may think maybe, oh, there's a way, perhaps, the truth of the matter, there's no, there's no, in the spirit, there's no capability, there's no way, it's impossible. And God knows that. That is why, when we get born again, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of the promise. Right? Until the redemption of the purchased possession. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we blessed so far? So the Lord, right, made it clear that a soul can't think any differently unless they give it the capability to, which is why we have to receive the Holy Spirit. If somebody's soul is recreated and they don't add the Holy Spirit join, honestly, it won't be able to think any differently. Right? It won't be able to think any differently. It's a new creation, yes, but, okay, we need, we need the, we need the flesh dousing element. Right? We need something. Now, most of the time, when souls are drunk in the spirit, one of the things that happens to them, right, is that in that moment, they don't think about the natural. It's almost like their mind is elevated in the spirit. It's elevated. To think differently. Right? So, what I'm, I'm just saying that we should not trivialize the fact that, you know, somebody can think any developer. Don't trivialize it. It's not a, it's not, a, it's not it's not an easy thing. It's not a small sweet. It's a, it's a great help, mercy. Which is why when you see believers that are born again, that maybe they are talking the way they are living their life, maybe I try to advise them, and, and you notice that they are just trying to go in a certain way. Just know that <laughs> there's a way they are using to live. That's just the truth of the matter. Which they can't think any different from. Some of it would justify, you know, I'm a child, like, like Israelite that are living Egypt, right? But still want cucumber. <laughs> so those kind of souls, where you call them, um, serve God, love God, they will tell you, you know what? See, God is good. The same way you know, he took them out of Egypt, God is good. But here's the thing. Can I just have cucumber? I mean... I'm already, the, I'm, already, I'm already an Israelite. All I just want is just cucumber. Is there anything wrong in cucumber or quail? And the funny thing is that God actually gave them cucumber. Well, no, not necessarily cucumber. God gave them quail. In the way God gave it to them, right? And the funny thing is that the moment God gave them quail, do we all know what happened to them? They were plagued. They were plagued. Then the Lord told them, hey, it's me that did it. Remove that quail from them. This plague will go. They removed quail, forgot about quail. They were healed. Right? 
So meaning that even if souls want the Egyptian way, it's possible for God to even give them take. So the fact that God blessed souls, <laughs> well, sorry, let me not call it blessing. For the fact that God gives souls things does not mean that it's a blessing. It can actually be a cause. So people, some people will be preaching. What do you mean? Do you mean God give cause? No, He doesn't. Is this is the Egyptian? It's is the Israelite that requested for it. They murmured, murmured, and murmured until okay, you know what? Fine. God caused, God caused quail to come from this. It's so funny. It's from God. Did not, you know this quail that God brought was not from heaven like man now that they were eating. God didn't bring the quail from heaven. God took wind to go into the sea. Carry the quail and bring it to them. They ate it and they were plagued. Meaning that a child of, a, a child of God can be going, praising God, serving God, but asking for quail can even get, God can even bless such a soul with such. So the fact that God blessed and God is helping me is not a, is not a, a proof that you have blessing from God. Because the true blessing does not come in quails. The true blessing comes in manna. It has to be manna. If it is not manna, forget about blessing. Because manna is an heavenly meal. Quail is earthly, which he gave. Like other things that Gentiles seek. But when Egypt, sorry, when Israel took it and they were cursed, the Lord is telling them that seal, this thing you are taking comes with a curse. What's the cause? And it means that you will toil. This thing, you will toil for it. Just like the curse when Adam fell. That's just the truth of the matter. And when I say toil, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll just be working shift, shift, shift alone. It's the labor with which you go after it. You labor for it. Because they say that the cause is the You have to labor. You have to till the ground. You labor for it. And then it will come. And then you say God has blessed. But it's not a blessing. It's a curse. So, the fact that God blessed and gave does not mean that it is true blessing. Amen. Amen. Time has gone. No. I was just trying to give introduction. No. Amen. So, let's go back to uh, the still part of the introduction, but let's move forward. right? So, we've talked about the the life, like Jew and Gentile, right? Why they can still be the same, even though they were taken out of Egypt, right? So a Jew and a Gentile can still live the same way, can still live with the same mind, can still live with the same sense, right? Now, it is that sense that they are living by that they call sin. You know, most of the time they will say sin is is fornicating by biting and all those things. Yes, great, but that's not really sin. Sin just created those things as distractions. To tell souls, that's me, don't do me. It's still the one telling them not to do him. It's still a sense. So, sin has morphed into many things. Sin, most people don't know what it is called sin. But the, the, 
If you want to define it, what, what, what does it do? It makes men live in the vanity of their mind. That's what sin does. It makes men live in the vanity of their mind. And they, call, and they, and they say that sin has, has a law. It's the law of sin and death. Law of sin and death. Law of sin and death. So there is therefore now no condemnation, right? They talk about that. Who work in Christ Jesus? For the law of Christ Jesus has made us free from the, for the law in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death, right? So sin is not just an act. Sin is a law. Right? Well, let me put it this way. Sin has laws. Right? Laws. And when you talk about laws, is the kind of law that it has is the same thing that you see at work in many things. So, for example, if you see a bird flying, it has a law that it's obeying to make it fly. If you see a fish swimming in the sea, it's obeying a law. In manner of swimming is, is an obedience to an inward working of a law that's set in it that you shall swim in water. Such that when you throw it inside water, you just have shaking tail. It's gone. Remove it, put it on the land, it will die. Why? Because it's a different law than the law that is configured inside the fish. Right? And that's how it is. Sin has the way it configures souls to live in a habitat such that if you take it out, it will not survive. It won't. That is why you can't, that is why the Lord is careful about the salvation of the soul. It does not just yank away all the laws. Like if, if you use the example of a fish, you know, if, the moment you take a fish out of the water, put it in the land, it's gone. And you know, for like they were telling us in scripture, say, he set my feet, he put my feet upon the rock to stay. He set my feet upon the rock. It took me out of the miry clay. Set my feet upon the rock to stand. Right? It took me out of the miry clay. Imagine taking a fish out of water. Put me on the rock. That's still telling us it's the same sight they are giving us to give us a sense about the operation of salvation that the Lord is doing within the soul. So when it takes souls out of the miry clay and put it upon the rock, there's a transitioning that has to, to take place. As the Lord is removing, for example, the fish out of the water, it, is, it has to change its law. That you're no longer set as a fish, but you can walk on the land also. That was how to happen to souls. Amen. But there is a way the soul has been. It's a law that has been configured inside. Those laws that configured is what they can start begin to talk about as cities. Amen. Amen. When we are reading Isaiah 25, right, which says, The Lord thou art my God, verse 2, For thou art made of a city and heap. So they are talking about the Lord dealing with certain things Upon the, upon the heart and the soul. Amen. Amen. For the last minute, a city and heap. Amen. Amen. And heap. I was trying to, to look at what this heap means. Now, of course, he has made a city and heap. You think, of course, he turned the city pretty much 
is like a city. You know, city is lateral, wide. If to turn a city into a heap, what must happen to it? You have to gather the city and pile them up on each other, meaning that they have to ruin the city. Right? They have to ruin, the, that's, that's ruining the city. No city has beauties. No, the pride, the pride, the pride of cities is its beauty, the way it's arranged. If you have been, thank God for Winnipeg. Winnipeg does not have a very, very, very nice city. <laughs> I'm just joking. Right? But it's true. How many, how many, when you go to our downtown, how many tall buildings do you see? We'll go to Calgary. Calgary's people, sorry. But go to Calgary, go to Edmonton. Go to ah! Toronto. And then go to Ottawa. They are downtown. See, see ah, New York, that's US now. See, go to New York. You know, you know that city, New York, they, you see Alicia Keys that was singing, him and, and Jay-Z, see? New York. They, they said the city is, the city. Ah, was that, what did you just tell the song again? Yes. Something brand new, the city would make you, or something like that. I can't remember the, the lyrics. There's, but they say there's nothing you say you know there's nothing you can't do there. It's a life they are selling to souls. Imagine when you hear that New York, there's nothing you can't do. Ah! See the kind of freedom the soul will be happy to have. There's nothing I can't do. And it's true. How you know is that just go there and see how much the rent of one tiny bed, one not bed, it's not even a one bedroom apartment. It's like cut cut this room into four. They rent it for one thousand five. That's how expensive it is. That to tell you that something is happening in that city. And very soon, BC will be like that. That they will they will have to they will have to cut <laughs> cut cut rooms into four like this. I mean, what is what will you call that? Is it a den? A den for one five U.S. dollars. So, because I was watching one uh, lady that was giving uh, like a view of her. Cause I, there's a guy that usually just meets people randomly on the street. Why? What do you do? I'm like, okay, can we see? They just take them to the house, then show the house. So, saw so this lady met the lady on the street, ah, and then take us to the house. I looked at it. Honestly, it's not bigger than. From this door here to this wall, all the way here. This is it. That's it. One five. Inside there, there is a bed. Then kitchen. I don't even know if there's a washroom in that place, but there must be a washroom somewhere. But probably a tall, uh, a standing washroom. But if they tell that there's nothing you can't do and uh, build prices are that expensive, they tell you that that city is, is expensive. Expensive, expensive cities tells you about the life there. Like go to Toronto. You know, it's, Toronto is getting there. To get a house in that place, you cry. Cry to Jesus, Lord, help me. Sure, sure, people, I don't even know how people that are Christians are doing it there. The faith, the faith that they have. <laughs> right? And it's not like the pay there is, I mean, it's definitely more than... Uh, no, Manitoba, or but I don't think it's that extravagantly much. Amen. 
But anyways, the summary is that the beauty of it, of a city is it's is it's 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 arranged the way it's arranged the way it's arranged just like you go to downtown toronto or new york and you see the way you know those buildings they specifically arrange them to look like that the reason why they did that is that when you sit and you look at those buildings that thing should sit inside the soul it's like a, it's like a desire the image should preach to the soul you can you can make it imagine you go to calgary now and then you are in downtown, you are seeing all the tall, tall buildings. It will, it will speak and minister to you. You can make it in this life. You can make it. You can make it. That's what Calgary preaches all the time. And when, when the city is preaching, you can make it. You know what souls do? You go on make them. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, time has gone. Uh, I don't know if I have time to finish anything, but, but I guess... Let me just start figuring out how I'm going to round up. So what I was explaining really is that we've seen, so we've seen this city, right? Now what I was explaining earlier so that, you know, there's a connection of a Jew and a Gentile is that when they took Israel out of Egypt, then Israel began to what? To take over lands, which were pretty much cities, which strangers... That's the word. Which strangers have come to build. But, but those strangers are strong men. Strong men against the actual owner of the land. Right? Because Israel was Israel's possession is the land. But they've come to the land, possessed the land, built cities. And you know the moment they built cities, they are pretty much telling Israel, sorry. You can't take this land. This land belongs to us. Because they didn't take a tent. You know, if there was a tent they built, they could just chase them away. They didn't, they didn't build a, uh, a small farm. They built cities. Cities with walls. Like Jericho. You know, Jericho, Jericho Jericho's walls was a terrible... Was a t- In short, the truth of the matter is that if Israel didn't have God, they can never... Take Jericho. It's impossible. With the manpower that they have and with the strength of the wall, there's no way they will take it. They can't break through the wall. They can't break through the gate. Even if they break through the gate, the soldiers in the city, they will just ransack them. I'm sure many soldiers perished when that wall sank. You know, they, were, they said the wall did not fall. They said the wall sank. Yeah, you know, that it didn't, you know, the image is that it crumbles, it fell. You say the wall sank. You say it was buried into the ground. I don't know why they can't find it today. But that's that's what God did to the wall. So it was, uh, I guess, I guess for Rahab, they had to make sure that they cut this, the the wall from the beginning of her house to the end of her house and then sink the rest. Because she was living by the wall of the city. Amen. So those, those, those cities that they have to take were already cities. Like the king of uh, Baal, that, like Balaam. Balak. That called Balaam to curse the people of Israel. They had their own cities. Right? They've taken over the land. So they were all cities. And all these cities 
it has cities that has been built by a wisdom. The wisdom that built all those cities. Imagine you just arrived at a land and then all of a sudden you started building it. So what I would know is that we have to go to the first person that built a city. And who's the first person that built a city? It's Cain. Cain, after he left the presence of God, he started building cities. How did he fetch the image of a city? It is clear there was no information about building a city in the garden. Right? When they left the garden, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, why didn't they go and build cities? If it's a common knowledge that they all should know. They didn't go and build cities. They were still camping. They were living in tents, if you ask me. And then what happened? One guy, wise guy, time is going, I'm going to, I'm surrounding up. One wise guy decided to kill his brother. They left the presence of the Lord, or the presence of God, and they started building cities. Amen. Now, the wisdom that now started giving Cain, because clearly God didn't tell him to build cities. So, how did he fetch the wisdom? How did he fetch the, the architect of the walls? The cities, the economic the economic uh, setup of the city, how the city should run, how it should have gates. Where did he fetch it from? He partnered with a guy called Sin. Said, "Why, if thou doest well, would shall would thou not be accepted? But if thou doest not well, say Sin lieth at thy door." Now realize that if Sin is lying at the door. Sin is a living thing. It's lying at the door. What lies at the door? It has to be living. For example, like a lion that will lie down, like a cat that will lie down, right? Or a man that can lie at the door. Say so sin lies at the door. Pretty much they say that sin is waiting at the door. Pretty much knocking the door of his heart. Meaning that sin can talk. Right? With a sin can speak. So sin spoke to Cain. Will you let me in? See, and his desire is to will be unto it and he shall rule over thee. And he said you shall rule over him. That rule over him is a lie. It won't rule over it. It is sin that rules. Or pretty much is a, is a joint is a partnership whereby you don't have any other choice that to take what sin offers. So sin began to talk to Cain. You know you can build cities. You know you can do this. You know you can kill your brother. You don't think it's sin how they had a play in, in Cain clean Abel. It has a play. Because he hated his brother. And how do we know that this thing called sin, is from somewhere, is that there's somebody that also hated his brother, is Satan. Who are the brothers, all the angels that he killed? You know he killed all of them? He killed, he, all the angels that fell with him, they were dead. If they didn't die, they would fall. So he killed, he slayed all of them. 
master, Satan a master killer. Is <laughs> the is the best as a sin. But I'm not saying God can kill Satan. I'm saying is is the best at life as a sin. Because he slayed. Imagine somebody has wisdom to kill angels. Ah, that same wisdom he gave to Cain to kill his brother. So sin has the information of that life. Then he began to speak to Cain. Cain, because it came through the fruit, right? From that seed, then he began to take, kill your brother. Kill your brother. Then after a while, build cities. Build cities. Then after a while, came through his, his generation, Lamech. You too, kill, kill that brother. Ah, I have killed a, a brother to my wounding. I have killed a to my wounding. If Cain shall be avenged seven times, then me, seven times, seven times, means that he has increased the progression of sin. Sin is not, sin is, is increasing. It's not increasing one by one, it's increasing exponentially. So, ah, if Ken shall be avenged seven times, then me, seven times seven. Just to tell you that he has journeyed further into sin. Sin is giving them wisdom. Amen. Sin kept raising souls until Genesis chapter five, there about or six, right? When it says, and the daughters of men, sorry, and the sons of men, went into daughters of, uh, sorry, sons of God, entered into the daughters of men. The daughters of men, so you know those stories, people used to say that angel are man. It's not possible for an angel to sleep with a man. Because angels don't marry, neither are they given a marriage. So angels, can't cut a human being to get them pregnant to give birth. If not, why didn't an angel get Mary pregnant? See, the Lord even made it clear he, he has, she has to be conceived of the Holy Ghost. That one serves is a supernatural act. I must go. Supernatural work. Why for Holy Ghost to move upon the seed inside the womb and get it potent enough to turn into a baby? It's a supernatural supernatural work but you know that's God amen let's go further so um, Israel right came and they found these cities that were inhabited by strange strangers right who have gods and then those as what we're referring to as cities in the in the land right and he said for thou hast made of a city and heap that was what Israel began to do to all those cities. They began to turn cities to heaps. Amen. Of a defensed city, that should remind us of, of Jericho. Of a defensed city, a ruin. So a defensed city, a ruin. Now, they, they, are not beginning to, they are beginning to tell us what the Lord is going to do in order to transition souls from the law of sin and death to another law. For a soul to transit from the law of sin and death to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It means that they must cause that soul to walk. So we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So walking in the spirit as a goal is to change the, the configuration of the soul to change the laws. Right? 
And like I said earlier, to get to a mountain, there's a way you must arrive there, is that you must come. Right? You must come to the mountain. You can only get to the mountain by walking to that mountain. It means you must walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is a means of arriving at the mountain. Amen. I'll read that Hebrews 12 for us. So, because there's a sense, right? When I say they must come, that's where I'm fetching that from. It says that, verse, tw- let me see, I think it's verse 12. Verse 12, verse, ch- chapter 12, verse uh, 20. Amen. Verse 18. So for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned, that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Time will not allow us to go into details, but of course we know that this was when, they are referring to when Israel got to Sinai. Right? And they began to see all these things. So Sinai is also a sign of a mountain that Israel came to. But you know that Israel, they journeyed to Sinai. They had to walk to Sinai. And their destiny was actually to journey to the top of Sinai. It was not only Moses that was supposed to go and receive what he received. It was actually the destiny of all Israel. If they are cleansed, then the Lord began to speak. And as the Lord began to speak, he was calling them. He was calling them. It's almost like a, a speaking to bring them up to the mountain. They said, no, don't talk to us anymore. But let me go for the cause of time. Time has gone. It says, verse 19, And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the words, which they that had entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They said, no, please don't talk to us. Moses, go, go here. Then verse 24, They could not endure that which was commanded, and if so, much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are calm. See? But ye are calm unto Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. You see? This is Mount Zion. Like, I think, was it, I don't know if it was two Tuesdays ago I was explaining Zion that this is, the, this is the mountain that Satan was walking to and fro of. It is made up of innumerable company of angels. Because they are stones. They are called seraphims. They are stones of fire. So this mountain is made, is, a mountain is a rock, right? Mountain of Zion, unto the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, unto an innumerable company of angels. Praise the Lord. So you see that what makes up this mountain at this innumerable company. But then later they began to tell us that upon the mountain is the church, right? Where you have uh, you have saints gather. Let me read it further and I'll, I'll quickly round up. By 10 I, I should be rounding up. Sorry you know, to take our time a little bit today. He said, he said that, uh, okay, verse 22. But yeah, come to the mountain, okay, verse 23. To the general, I said to the general assembly, and church of the firstborn, which was written in heaven. So which are written in heaven. And to God the judge of all, and to the spirit of judgment made perfect. These are souls that you can find 
upon the mountain. Amen. Uh, time has gone. I, I, I don't, I can't, I can't talk too much, but, but they're telling us that souls can arrive on this mountain. Right? But souls that arrive on this mountain, there's something particular to them that they would partake of a feast. Time was gone. No, I can't talk too much, but that's what I was going to end. And that's, that's where I was going to, to explain that feast aspect, right? Souls, souls that arrive on this mountain are going to partake of a feast. And I'm saying that this kind of feast have what? Is f- as... Fat things, a feast of wines on the least, of fat things full of marrow. When you say it's full of marrow, fat things full of marrow. What marrow? What is marrow? Marrow is that which. Marrow is what. Is it pumps blood? No, sorry, no pump. Is is blood comes from the marrow, right? The generate the marrows generate blood, right? That's to tell us something. That means marrow generates life because the life of an animal is in its blood so marrow is a life is a life is, is it instrument right and they are telling us that it's going to say feast of five of one on least full of marrow it means it has to be it is full of life right but what i really want to talk about is what they are going what they're going to use all these things to do they are saying they are going to destroy, use it to destroy the face of the covering cast over all people. And the veil that is spread over all nations. Amen. Amen. Meaning that this, this veil and the cast has to do with culture and life. Right? Which is cast. A face. There's a, but it is the, but this but this cast is a face, is a being, right? Which has a face, which is, is, a, which is a covering cast over all people. Meaning that whenever souls, as long as you're not a child of God, number one, you are by default subject to that cast. Meaning that when, when like Pastor Jeff will say, when souls, in the parliament are gathering together to plan how they're going to talk about our economy. It is the face of the covering cast that is sitting upon their heads that is telling them you can do this, you can do that, set this, set that. It is why? Because they can't do the face of the covering is cast over all nations, and it is a veil that is spread over the people. How does it function? The face of the covering cast is what makes men think in a certain way. Gives them a way of life. The covering cast, the face of the covering cast, gives men a way of life. It makes men walk in the vanity of their minds. It makes them, it makes men alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Why are they ignorant? Because they don't have sight into the light of God. Okay? They can't because the cast is cast over the soul. It casts over all people and nation. Souls can't escape it as long as 
they are not growing in the they are not growing spiritually. They can't escape the caste. It is the caste. Why? Because the caste is in the air. Where they put the caste is in the air. And that is why you need souls to come up to the mountain. Because it's upon that mountain, they will destroy the caste. What happens upon the mountain, like we've been saying, is teaching. Souls that are below the mountain, they like miracles. But when you, it's when you come to the mountain that you can begin to receive teaching that can deal with the face of the covering caste. See, all the feast that is prepared upon the mountain is the feast of the teaching of the teacher who has come from God. It's upon that mountain they begin to teach, they begin to give feast, feeding. It is talking about giving of knowledge. When a soul is feasting on the meal of wine, wine of the spirit, that is the unction aspect. I think on Saturday, was it Saturday we were talking about the unction? When the unction begins to flow, it can begin to bring feast from a place which can begin to deal with the face of the covering cast. Meaning that the way a Gentile is thinking that can still be in a Jew, that feast can deal with it. It can begin to remove caste over the souls. Amen. I pray that the Lord will help us. Time has gone, so we're rounding up. I pray that the Lord will bring feast of fat things to us for to deal with every face of the caste that is upon the nation. And, and, and any face of the caste that is upon our soul, can we just begin to bless the name of the Lord tonight? Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. Malika Tana Kariya Sabanta Vanamata Zekari Kahana No Shapari Vasima Emprozata Vada Kasta Entakama Kari Damata. Then can we pray that heaven will give us access to feast, to his feast, that heaven will give us access to the wine of the spirit, will give us access to the unction in a higher measure, in a higher measure, for to deal with the face of the covering cast. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today, for your mercy. We thank you for your word. We say we are exalted in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Father, for how you have started to you know, explain to us things concerning cities, which you are going to destroy, which you are going to ruin. You know, these cities are strongholds. These defense cities are strongholds within the soul. We pray, Father, that you bring the tool of your revelation Amen. that will begin to bring answers to deal with defense cities within our soul in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Shine for you dwells between the cherubim, shine for me. You dwells between the cherubim.